This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Proof Geist. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. Our main goal as Claris FileMaker developers is to solve problems for our clients or for ourselves. Our secondary goal is to build systems which perform very well. Of course, perform very well is subjective. For one client, technique A may perform very well, but for another one, that same technique is slow and untenable. Though it has different meanings for different contexts, performance should be on the top of our heads as we develop. Nick Lightbody joins us to lend his experience and his perspective to this idea of performance. For most of his career, he's spent exploring the ideas of performance in FileMaker. Starting with, of all things, developing for iOS, he's played with techniques that he's found keep performance high throughout the entire development process. Let's explore his perspective about keeping FileMaker apps running smoothly. Hey, Nick, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hello, Jeremy. I'm very good, thank you. Good. It's good to have you on um, the Context Podcast. You, uh, you know, I think as far as I've been in the community, I've seen you here and there around, but I don't. I'm not sure we've ever talked. So this will be a good chance to 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 chat. Or how do you say it in England? What's the word? Yeah, chat is cool. <laughs> okay. But if you've been if you've been watching your television recently, you'll be using the sit down with thing, isn't it? After watching. Um... Harry and Meghan with opera the other day. Right. I, I now know that if you're going to have a discussion with someone, you're going to sit down with them. <laughs> sit down with them. Okay. <laughs> I, I might change it to the sit down podcast or something. <laughs> um, it's good to have you with us. Um, we are going to talk a lot about performance. I feel like, um, and you can share share more about your background and your um, what you your expertise in FileMaker in a second, but I feel like, Whenever I see you pop up in the community, you're talking about some performance thing in FileMaker. So you you seem to have studied FileMaker performance a lot. Um, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So if I go back a bit, um, in, in in an earlier life, a very early, a very much earlier life, uh, back at university, back in the seventies in Sussex, I did some computer programming on a ICL nineteen oh three A mainframe, Algol sixty eight eight bit programming in, in uh, on punch cards, one punch card per line of code. And um, later on, after doing seven or eight years professional yachting, I ended up becoming a lawyer. And a lawyer in the UK is actually called a solicitor or a barrister. Now, you have to be careful with the language here, because in the US, the first time I ever landed at LAX, the big sign out saying, no, saying no solicitors. But I believe that soliciting in 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 Los Angeles is a slightly different activity to the form of legal practice that I was involved in. Yes. So um, I needed to organise a law office. I was setting up a new law office in 1997. And um, as part of that process, I talked to friends about technology and stuff and one very good friend um, said, you want to get a Mac, he said. And, and, and I said, oh, okay. So I got a Mac. And he said, um, you need to get FileMaker Pro. They've just released version 4.1. And I said, oh, okay. So I got that. And uh, he came in one morning and showed me how to 
create a file as it was in those days, obviously, is well before FileMaker 7. So we made a file and we put in some fields and we did go to related record and all that cool stuff. And in no time at all, I'd got a system for running my law office, um, which ended up being a, um, a sort of general purpose professional practice system, which I actually sold into education and post-production. So um, there was a change in legal regulation in this country at that about that time, 1999, and I decided that I was going to retire from the law and and uh, and and do something with this software I built. And the pre-2000 period was a really great time for getting investment because people were concerned about the 2K bug and all that sort of stuff. Some some of your listeners will be old enough to remember that time, I'm sure. And um, so I ended up deciding then to raise investment and develop a company called Deskspace. And um, I worked on developing that stuff, had one or two employees, all the things you do with these sorts of things in, in the, uh, the, the 2000s up to 2010. I ended up deciding to come over to the US in 2011 and 12 to really see where the technology was going because I'd got as far as I could with what I knew about FileMaker. I wanted to learn a lot more. And also I also wanted to see if there was a better option because you can never sit down with a group of FileMaker developers without starting to talk about whether there's a better option than FileMaker. And of course, the reason that we are still where we are is that we never find a better option because in fact it's pretty amazing what it can do but i needed to learn more and so i had been on linkedin at that stage in 2010 for a little while so i had to look to see who i knew in which parts of the us and uh, in particular i wrote to um to rick kalman at uh, at filemaker who in those days was sort of um well he had been head of the um essentially at the sort of managing the developer community side um, before he went on to product management. And uh, I said, look, I'm going to come by in, in January. Um, can I come and see you? Said, oh. He said, that's cool. That's good. Great to see you. So I rolled up at the wedge in January in 2011, having just had a few interesting days in Los Angeles and then driven up via Santa Barbara. And, you know, I was enjoying my time in California in January. It's a lot warmer than it is in Britain at that time of the year. And so I, I rolled in to, to meet Rick, and he met me with a team of about 12 people. He had a whole load of different people. I didn't know most of them. I, I knew um, Clay Makel because I'd met him before at a DevCon. But basically, I had said to Rick, I wanted to talk about performance, particularly over WAN, as we used to call it in those days, wide area network, because I was conscious this was a difficult area. I wanted to find out how to do it better. And it turned out that at that time, this was an area that FileMaker was actually focusing on quite hard. And the reason, I guess, was because, of course, at that time, mobile was starting to become a reality. Now, you can probably remember more exactly than I can when FileMaker Go appeared, but it's probably about 2008, I would think, or nine. Somewhere around there, I remember it cost $20 on the App Store. Before it became free. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. So, in fact, maybe it was at that time. I know I remember someone at FileMaker telling me that they were going to make Go free, certainly. And I thought that's a really good idea because, um, you know, free software is a great way to have people 
you know, getting to use a, a new technology and so on. So anyway, so I had this interesting conversation with with Rick and his entire team about um, about performance. And then I went off and I investigated the survey folk who are in Thousand Oaks, just north of Los Angeles. I talked to a guy called, I think his name is David Simpson, who had some really good stuff, who was based in the South Bay area. I um, went up to Seattle and spent some time with John Sindler and also with Bruce Robertson, who's a fantastic guy, both fantastic guys, very different styles, but both great guys. Um, I did a lot of stuff in, on the West Coast, and then I went across to Chicago, and I went down to Florida, and I went up to wow. Massachusetts. And basically, over the period of those two years, I did six 90-day trips around the U.S. And we were I was selling. I'd got an agent in Florida who was selling our software. But I was looking for something better, looking for a way forward. And the conclusion I came to initially was that the future was mobile so I spent quite a lot of 2011 building a really nice um, mobile app um, to run on a on an iPad to basically manage your law office the idea was you could sit in the sit in the cockpit of your boat in the harbor down in Florida and just tap on the screen and send out writs or you know summonses and all those sorts of legal documents and things motions i think they're called often in the u.s courts and um that was all interesting stuff i had various people who wanted to invest in what we were doing because they're so impressed and that was all good stuff and then i came back to the uk and my eldest daughter who by that stage had been working for a few years in in digital media i shared her what i'd done and she said dad she said dad you got it all wrong you don't understand she said dad the future is mobile but mobile is a phone it isn't an ipad <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Look, you can you can make stuff the size of a phone, and, and it stretches to fit onto an iPad really nicely. But you can't put it on an iPad and look at it on a phone." And she, of course, was completely right. I, you know, so I, I I basically archived that stuff and started again. So I've only I've only ever designed stuff that fits by default on a phone since 2012. When I look at what I call standard FileMaker stuff with a big wide screen with a thousand and one buttons on it you know i just think well this stuff when it's done that way it doesn't really look good to be honest and of course the more stuff you put in the screen the more load you've got in the system and so on so coming back to performance if you're going to make stuff work well on a phone it has to perform well so because i'd had a focus on performance i realized that the problem with performance is that People in the FileMaker community generally, if they ever complain about anything, 95% of the time it's about performance. And yet, in reality, there's a limited amount of stuff actually written in any details. There's a lot of opinions given, but not a lot of hard research in, in my experience. So in uh, 2015, I decided I was going to, do some solid work on it and that that came out of doing a class in london with ray cooligan now i'm sure that you know ray jeremy he's one of the brightest and most creative people in the filemaker community along with a few other very clever people like your own colleague todd geist and uh, he's okay he's a okay. few others around but the point about ray is that ray 
as I'm sure you know, has got quite a wide background of things that are not just doing things with computers. You know, he's a sculptor and he's a maybe a philosopher as well. So he did a two or three day masterclass in London and we had about a group of about 10 or 12 of us, all pretty experienced filmmaker developers. And Ray's whole concept was not about the how, but about the why. So I think the thing, the, the philosophical idea that underpins what I'm doing with people now and what I've been developing over the last few years is forming a, developing a mental model of of why FileMaker does the, the, the does things the way it does. You know, what's really happening as opposed to just, you know, getting tips and... I, I personally dislike this idea of getting all these tips and tricks. You know, the idea that any, sol- any problem can be solved with a, quote, trick, unquote, to me is not like real life at all. It's like people always wanting a silver bullet to do things, you know? Yeah. So um, I basically... Ray got me thinking differently, and we can talk about that in more detail later on, maybe. But he got me thinking differently. The result of that was I developed an experimental thing, which I then did a cut-down version of, which which I then released as a uh, open source project called DS Benchmark, and that's been the de facto standard, I think, for people to test FileMaker server um, performance comparatively for the last five or six years. And when I talked to some of the engineers at the Wedge back in 2016, they said, well, that's actually ex- exactly how they internally test FileMaker load capacity anyway, or FileMaker server capacity. You know, that just came out of a very small realization, like most good things. I was looking at perform script on server. And I thought, well, logically, what happens if I don't check the box that says wait for completion? I thought, hmm, well, if I had a looping script and I don't wait for completion, I can make lots of virtual clients, can't I? And you know, that's what we did, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the presentation I did at DevCon at uh, Las Vegas in 2016, I started off by saying that we're all engineers. You know, We are building machines. We're building amazing machines with FileMaker and associated things, but they're all machines. And as engineers, we should be observing and measuring stuff. We shouldn't just be opinionating about what could or could not be better and things and talking in a general way. We should actually be sitting down, building models, testing things and and, um, measuring them and trying to come up with some clear ideas of what works best. And so, you know, the last five, six years have really been working on that sort of stuff and also trying to get through some of the some confusion because there's a lot of stuff that people talk about, but it, I sometimes feel it needs a bit more focus, a bit more, you know, precision. Maybe. Today's episode is brought to you by FM Perception. I have a question for you. What's your RDI number? That is, what's your real-time developer intelligence number from zero to 10? Are you on the low end of that range where you know a little bit about the app you're working on? Maybe you know some script where the scripts are and what tables and data structures you're working with? Well, if that's the case, you definitely need FM Perception. FM Perception is the only real-time developer intelligence tool out there. This dev tool is built for Claris FileMaker developers in mind since it was developed by a Claris FileMaker developer. 
FM Perception provides you with more intelligence about the system you're working on in real time. FM Perception tells you everything you need to know about the scripts, layouts, tables, relationships, global variables, how many times you used and where you used the execute SQL function, and so much more. There's no way anyone could remember all that, not even the one that began the file many development cycles ago. FM Perception organizes the data design report, the DDR, into a structure that is easy to navigate, giving you almost instant access to any part of the system. Need to know where you used the left values function? FM Perception can tell you that. Do you need to know if a certain script in your file can be deleted? That is, it's not used anywhere in your system? FM Perception can tell you that instantly. The entire purpose of FM Perception is to raise your RDI number, your real-time developer intelligence number, so that you can work smartly in your system, so that you can identify expensive functions, unreferenced elements, or broken references. FM Perception takes your RDI number from 0 to 10. Check out the 14-day free trial and see how intelligently you can work with your system using FM Perception. Today's episode is brought to you by FM Perception's companion product, FM Comparison. Available free only to licensed users of FM Perception, FM Comparison highlights the differences between two versions of the same FileMaker file. Still in beta, this product succinctly shows you how a file changed from version A to version B, from development cycle 1 to development cycle 2, or 3, or 7. This form of intelligence lets you see what was changed and how it was changed and indeed who changed it. The uses are endless. For one, you can review all the changes made by other developers in a team for code review. FM Comparisons highlights can also provide a change log for those clients who wish to know what features were added. Check out FM Comparison when you purchase a license of FM Perception. And hey, if you want to know more about FM Comparison and FM Perception, Dave Ramsey, the creator of these dev tools, holds office hours every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern and runs until he's the last person on the call. The sign-up link is in the show notes. Come and see what intelligence and what insights you can get from the FM Perception suite. Does any of that make any sense to you? Is it? Yeah, that's that's great. I have a, about a thousand questions on top of the ones that I had already said I was going to ask you. So we'll try to get through. What I find pretty amazing is that you said you, you, you started thinking about performance because you were developing solely for mobile, solely for an iPhone, solely for FileMaker Go. So that was your that was your reason for performance. I was going to ask you, you know, what got you into thinking firstly about performance, but it was because you had to you had to design for the iPhone. Well, it wasn't solely for it, but clearly if I was going to make stuff that ran on iPhone and on Macs and Windows, then it wasn't going to be a lot of good if it didn't work well on, on iPhone. I felt that, you know, coming from my racing yacht background, you know, if, if you're involved in a sport where performance getting the last little iota of performance out of your 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 machine your yacht your rig all the other stuff um you know i'm used to trying to get that last bit of performance out of things i'm used to thinking about machines how to be kind to machines how to get the best out of them and that probably fed into what i was doing as did spending 15 years as a as a commercial lawyer you know doing law you've got to be rigorous you know sort of um, 
fuzzy thinking doesn't go a long way in the law, really. Okay. Um, so I think that's the reason that I just felt it needs to be done. But the other thing was when I went and looked for resources, when I looked for some decent, detailed stuff on how to make stuff work well, and this is in 2015, the last thing I could find anyone that of any you know substance, I know there's obviously stuff on lists and forums and things, but the only thing anyone had published prior to 2015 that I could find at that time was Brian Dunning, who in fact I'd actually met in, in Long Beach only a short while before. Um, and, um, you know, he'd written something in about 2000 or 2001 on FileMaker and performance and FileMaker server. And, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years later, <laughs> I thought, well, this looks like something I could have a go at because I was interested in it. I'd already done quite a lot of work. And other people in the area were all looking at other, you know, very exciting new things. And I thought, well, why don't I just look at the basic stuff and see if I can't, um, you know, contribute a bit. Okay. So again, there's a lot to, to talk about. Um, first of all, your why of FileMaker is a great is a great idea. And I know you've talked about that before. I know um, JMO, John Mark Osborne has a great blog post about it, which we'll link to. So a lot of people have had this this idea and I'm glad that you're thinking of it too. I've talked with Todd previously on this podcast about the concepts of FileMaker. So it's, it's kind of in the same f- f- uh, vein. Um, what, what are the basic underlying principles of FileMaker that make it work that you, that we need to know about? So I think that's where your, um, where one of your thoughts are, but performance is, is an interesting topic because of all the things that I see in the community, it's, it's talked about the most, but it's also, it's also not, I don't know if it's given as much attention nowadays and I'm, I'm 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 interested in why, but let's let's start at the beginning. What, in your mind, is performance for FileMaker? What what what? Yeah, what is performance? What, what... Per, 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 performance? The thing I'm talking about comes down ultimately to user experience. User experience. Okay. If 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 stuff works well from the user's point of view, if the user doesn't have to wait for stuff to happen very long, or if they want something done that's going to take a while. They get some warning about it so they can plan when to say they want to do that and go off and have a coffee while it's happening. That's all good. And and the I hadn't actually heard this word before, this word called which is performant, um, which I guess is a verb. I I heard that for the first time when I had a meeting with um w- with Rick Kalman and Terry Barwagon, who you might remember used to head up the FileMaker server team. And mm-hmm. um Terry started talking about things being performant. And I thought, oh, that's a new word for me. I hadn't heard that one before. And I think performant, I would define for my purposes as being stuff working well enough that people are happy with it. So that means it's really not an objective thing. It is very much a a, a subjective um, thing where, of course, what is performant to some folk may not be performant to others, depending on their attention span and and level of um, level of patience, I guess. That, that's always been my thought too. You know, I've I've uh, heard of this idea of premature optimization, where you go in there and you try to fix things before they become a problem. When you start at the beginning of a file and you start creating the file, 
you, you should just do those things which keep it at top performance at all times. Is it possible to do that? Is it possible to develop only with a performance idea in mind? Obviously solving the client problems, obviously building the data structure, but in your experience working with other and working with other people, is it always possible to keep that high bar, keep it up there? Or I, I, think, are, I think it is. I think it it is. It's not easy. I mean, if it, you know, as they say, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it already, wouldn't they? There's a, there's a well-known quote, which I originally heard um, attributed to Winston Churchill, but I think probably it's one of those universal quotes that gets attributed to all sorts of people. But the quote is, I, in his case, is, is I haven't had time, I haven't had enough time to write a short speech. And I think I've heard it in a similar way. I haven't had enough time to write a short letter, etc. So, with FileMaker, and, and you know, this applies to other software, not just FileMaker, because we've been building a um, a COVID certification um, app earlier last year. Um, we were building that in something called Unity, which is then producing Android and um, iOS apps from the same code base. And the principles I've developed in FileMaker applied equally well there. So the principles of these, basically, it's about keeping it as simple as possible. It's about not putting in stuff you don't need to put in. And back in 2012, I met a, a chap at Apple who'd been at Apple long enough to have an Apple email address, which was just his first name. So I think he'd been there for an extremely long time. Uh, and he arranged for me to come into the old headquarters buildings at Infinite Loop in Cupertino and do a presentation of my FileMaker app on an iPad to the guy who was then their um, iOS user experience evangelist, I think, technically speaking. So I started off my presentation, or in the American way of putting it, my presentation. I took I started off my presentation by saying that the reason that most features were in most software were not because the users need them, but because, quote, I can do it. I can. It's an ego thing. People mm-hmm. building stuff will try to show other people in their community how clever they are by putting all this stuff in there. Or maybe just they want to satisfy their own egos. But software generally has a lot of stuff in it that's just not required. And all of the stuff you put in it is just creating load. It's also creating complexity. It's making it more difficult to maintain, making it more difficult to um, develop further, et cetera. So the starting point for me is trying, although it's very hard, but trying to remove stuff. And so I build something and I make it work. And then I think, well, how can I do that better? And I end up rewriting it a different way. And I throw away all the stuff I did before. And I end up with something that's different, but is is tighter and leaner and sharper. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's it's about being kind to the machine. And the basic physics of it is, in from what I've observed, that if you ask the machine to do less, it's faster. If you ask it to do more, it takes longer. So whether you are reducing the steps in the procedure, whether you're making um, the number of records it's dealing with in a data situation fewer by maybe just putting the predicates in a relationship in a different order, whether you are creating a way of 
displaying some data so they've got something to look at while the other stuff is being prepared in the background. All those sort of things are all about just trying to make it easier for the machine to be performant. Okay, so you mentioned that you you start by you know writing something and then you you look about how do you how do you how do you make it better? Do you, are you doing that because you you want to make it better or because the client is saying, hey, this this part is slow? No, I do, I don't really write things for clients these days. I, I I used to I used to, but for the last the last three or four years, I've been involved in in for probably a bit longer than that, actually, I've been involved in projects which are really supporting businesses that I'm involved in. And there's a combination of doing stuff for people where colleagues of mine are the client mm. um, and also where I'm doing research in order to write stuff and, and see if I can't make a small difference. So, but what I am doing is I'm doing coaching and mentoring. So, and when I'm doing that, I'm not spending my time trying to show people how to do stuff. I'm coming back to this this thing about the why, not the how. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to help people to they're very experienced people, but just look at what they're doing and think about it from a slightly different angle. Think about why they're seeing what they're seeing whether they can do it in, in a better way. As an example, as an example, I, I spent quite a bit of time over the last four or five years building a method of producing very fast, super flexible, super responsive websites. The project was originally called um, Desk Space Content Management System, and it's sort of been rebranded EcoWeb. And and it, the when we're ready to launch the next version, it will be out as EcoWeb. And in that context, I had a situation where I was writing, um, putting plain text into FileMaker in order to make a web page. And I wanted to have some representation on the screen of what the web page would look like without actually going the whole way into, into previewing it in the web viewer. I spent quite a lot of time working out quite a complex method of color coding and arranging the text in a page but in an in another text field which gave me a representation of what my markdown was going to look like i then had an idea later on because i didn't really do javascript type stuff but i thought actually i thought what if in fact this is my, my wife my wife said look i don't want to look at this markdown she said i want to be able to click on the screen and just open the paragraph to edit it. And, you know, you've got a page with 100 paragraphs or five paragraphs on it. Let's we, let's do it paragraph at a time. So I thought, well, maybe I could display a JavaScript button in the web viewer, which is previewing what I've built. So when I tap the button in the web viewer, it'll then open the paragraph as text in FileMaker, which I can then edit, and then I can save it and put it back again. And basically, that's what I did. So I ended up with something which is incredibly simple once I'd worked out how to do it. And I probably spent three weeks at least developing this other method. But the whole, but that was all binned, and we've ended up with something that's different and faster and better. And um, and I don't, I can't, don't even ask me how JavaScript does stuff. I sort of worked out how to do it, but I don't really understand it. But you know, it's good enough. Um, so yeah, it's about being rigorous. But 
if I was just doing it for a client who's going to pay me 25 grand when I've done the job or something, then I probably wouldn't be as assiduous as, as assiduous on it because I wouldn't be able to afford to. Um, I'd make it good enough. And then if they complained, I'd probably do a bit more work on it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. But I, it sounds like from your experience, you're able, you're able to, right now you're able to play with different um, problems and solutions and find the best one for a particular um, problem. So if like you, you mentioned a bit ago, um, showing some data and preparing the next batch of data to show or something. You have you played with that particular that particular problem solution and yeah. kind of tested out different ways to solve that and found the the one that performs the best? Yeah, yeah. There's the, the, there's there's two things I'd say in that. First of all, that in a I can't remember the exact date, but I'm I'm sure it was in two thousand twelve, because in two thousand and twelve I was meeting some some Mac using lawyers in um, somewhere just outside Columbus, Ohio. I had to talk to the local filemaker rep whose name was, I think, Bill Kaiser or something like that, because I had to get these these lawyers signed up on ETS in order to show them what I wanted to show them, because what I was going to demo them was still in, was, was pre-release. And, um, and the great thing that had happened at that point was that FileMaker had rewritten find mm. and up until that time the received wisdom and i think the truth was that go to related records is the fastest way of getting from a to b but when they had completely redone find in a different way suddenly it was fantastically fast and part of that fast part of that speed was that now, I mean, I'm I'm remembering. So if, if I'm wrong on this, do pick me up on it or someone else can tell me I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure I remember that when you used find in the old days prior to that time, you didn't get anything on the screen until the entire fan set had been essentially assembled and then they started rendering it. And what they did with the new find was that they got, the initial set of records and rendered them and then continued getting more in the background. And this is about performance or it being performed. It meant that you did a find and you saw stuff immediately. It doesn't really matter if you're, if you're expecting to find a thousand records and you can only see 20 on the screen, as long as those 20 appear in three seconds over your wide area network, by the time you start scrolling down the screen, the next 20, the next 20, et cetera, have all started arriving. So that was a good thing. And, Inspired by that, when I was building the um, the framework that that is um, partly shown in in DS Benchmark, I created a thing called Legions, so that when you when you found something in a portal, you only got the first thousand records, because I seem to recall that a legion in Roman soldiers was a thousand soldiers or something like that. And I spent a while trying to work out how to do legions. In the end, found that using FileMaker's um, inbuilt serial number generation was the most efficient way by a long way of doing it. So essentially, as I... And this remember, this is only doing it through relationships. So it's, it's basically using a relationship, using a portal, and filtering in the portal. So I've done a lot of portal filtering with multiple predicates and all sorts of fun things that seem to work pretty efficiently. 
So all I did was added an extra thing, which basically said that you'd only get the most recent thousand records created. And if you wanted more, you click more, just like in a web browser, you get so much on the page, you want more, you have to get some more. And, you know, that works well. And in fact, if you, I think if you look in DS Benchmark now in, in the, um, uh, the, the, the time, um, I can't remember what it's called. It's, 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 there's one basic user table in there, which is called time or something like that. It's basically events. It's a time recording slot, which is where we're actually making records to do the, the uh, load testing. But if you look at that and you made a, a few thousand records, you can see that behavior in, in, in um, operation. And of course, it is open source, so you can see exactly how it works. So yeah, so I think I think that's the answer to that is yes, we have done that. Um, and when I wanted to demo that um, sort of approach, I used Google Maps, and um, I built I built a database of the postcode areas of about ten or fourteen different countries, including the US. You know, just basically scraped stuff off the web and processed it in my own tools and and built these postcode area things and we used that for the demo devcon 2016 by saying to the audience tell me any small town you want anywhere in the united states and we had um ds benchmark on a would have been an iphone 5s on the wan in the hotel, in the conference room, and we're in Las Vegas, and the server was in Richard Carlton's office in Santa Clara. And we had about, I think, half a million records there. And with my phone, we could find any one of, or any little group of half a million records, out of the half a million records, in just a fraction of a second. And any one of those entries you tapped on then opened up the relevant town in um, Google Maps. And so it's a really nice way to show that on a phone, over cellular, you could query a big set of data and get a very fast response with FileMaker without it being a problem mm-hmm. because it was designed efficiently, really. So, okay, so let's talk about that. What can, as a person is developing, starting from the new file, what can she do to keep the file, the, the application at top performance? The principles, basic principles that I have developed are as follows. And frankly, they're not sexy or clever. They're just basic common sense. The starting point is that narrow files are faster than wide files. So narrow files in the nomenclature of, of of databases of the old type, essentially you had rows, which were fields, and you had pick on rows of records and, and columns are, are fields. And that, of course, times in very nicely with all the lucky people around the world who had to learn how to use a database by using Excel, when they should all, of course, be using FileMaker. be a far better idea. But anyway... Rows and columns. Now, if you have a small number of fields in a table, it will be fast. If you have a lot of fields, it will be slow. Basic common sense, you give it a lot of fields, it has more work to do. We can come on to exactly what it's doing in a moment. 
There are, however, there's one particular caveat to that where there is an, a type of field which, in fact, doesn't slow your system down at all, and that is a repeating field. So, and that's a, just a particular behavior that you can use with advantage when you are building stuff and you want to add in more fields. So, in, in EcoWeb, in any record, so any FileMaker record is basically the data, the content, and the um, uh, the CSS properties for the page. And as you know, when you build web pages, you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different properties to control every single aspect of what you see on the page. Now, you couldn't build a FileMaker file with hundreds and hundreds of fields. It would be as slow as anything. But if you use one field and you have repeats, then it's very fast, providing you're not doing anything to that field, or providing you're not doing something to the record, which is going to cause it to then move lots of data across the network, etc. Because people have said to me, oh, repeating fields, they're slow. They're not if you use them the right way. So you can have up to 32,000 repeats of one field. And when you're building something where you have to have a, a lot of small bits of information built into it, which is what you have when you're building web stuff, then you can have up to 32,000 repeats of one field. And that means that you can add extra fields by just increasing the repeat number. And it also is nice because, of course, you can then address all of those fields numerically because they're all just brackets one, brackets two, brackets three. So keeping things narrow is important. Bearing in mind that if you need a lot of fields, then using a repeating field instead of common garden fields may work for you. And the second very unsexy and very simple thing to do is turn off all the indexing and only index what you need to index. And that's a problem if you have the view that you're going to give your users access to find mode. But I never give, I haven't given users access to find mode for 25 years. Not in a proper business system. You might do in a tool you make for someone to just do a particular personal thing with. But if it's a business system, I don't believe fine mode has got a place in it. Not for me anyway. And within that, if you don't use fine mode, you have to decide how to do find. And the method I use is I have a single summary field in each record, which is also entered with the contents of the fields I want to actually search on. And then I just search on that one field, or the users do. So that means instead of having maybe, I don't know, 10 important fields I could find on that all have to be indexed, I only have indexing on the field I'm searching on, together, obviously, with any fields that are required in relationships and any fields that are required for value lists. So by doing that, you sort of, you cut down, you cut down the bloating. And I, I can remember a long, long time ago, put a system into a doctor's office back in about 1999 and I went back to do an upgrade a few weeks later and the files had got enormous. I thought, what's going on? Why are these files so big? The reason they were so big was because every time, every letter in the communications in, in, in the sort of the correspondence table, or it would be in the file in those days, had got a 
contents field and the contents field had got the contents of all the, the basic body of the letter in it. That was all being indexed in manifold ways so that you know people could search the most amazing combinations of things. And the, the file was about, I don't know, 10 times as big as it should have been just because of the sort of accumulation of all that indexing data. Okay, I, let me ask you. I, I've heard you. I've heard you talk about the repeating fields before. I completely understand the indexing, but I'm 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 curious more about this because you know I, I started FileMaker nine back in two thousand eight, and I don't think I've ever heard this idea to to show data in one field that's repeating as a performance uh, booster. Uh, is that, I mean, what, I'm not, I, I'm completely not belittling the idea. I just don't, I'm just, I'm surprised that I've never heard of it if it is a, as it is a, so, so tell me more about that. You're, you're, you're taking all of, okay, let's say you have a table called contacts. You have 10 fields in there that has the different information. Are you saying it's faster to on a display layout to show, to put all of that data into that one field in each of the repetitions, in that case, 10 repetitions, rather than showing the 10 different fields on the layout or in a list view or something? The particular way in which I'm using it is where I need to have hundreds of repeats. So I'm okay. in, 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 in the, in EcoWeb, and we only add in more repeats when they're needed so we can sort of vaguely keep track of roughly which where these things are because of course it's hard to keep track of it but we're up to about 800 repeats on on a for a web page and those those are just the settings those are just the css properties or property attributes and most of those things are either a number or a short string. Okay. None of it requires indexing. Yep, I get that. And none of it needs to be searched on. Okay. It is just there so that when we want to adjust the way that particular web page looks, we can change everything easily. Now, that process works very fast, and indeed I can open um, the app on a phone and edit a website, a full-size website, on my phone, over cellular, over a um, to, to, to FileMaker server where the thing is running. And I'm if I was doing that with a page record table with 800 plus the other fields, and probably about 900 fields, I suspect it wouldn't work too well. I haven't tried it, frankly. I, I wouldn't really want to spend my time doing that. Um, so th the point is that repeating fields are an anachronism in the sense that they predate FileMaker becoming a relational database. So when FileMaker was not yet a relational database, it had repeating fields that, as, a, yeah. as a way of sort of, you know, getting around it. But they stayed in there. And once when I was talking to the guys at, at, at the Wedge, I did say that if they ever tried to deprecate repeating fields, I'd come and personally camp outside their front door until they 
change their minds because um, you know it's a very very it's, it's they're not widely used they're not widely understood so the answer is you have to try it for yourself but if you want a place to put information which doesn't need to be indexed which isn't going to be searched on if it's merely a load of placeholders then it's very efficient but if you go and look at DS Benchmark you'll find that DS Benchmark has taken that concept to an extreme. And that actually came out of the Ray Cooligan class in 2014, because towards the end of that class, when we talked about all his great stuff and he got us all thinking hard, and I was sitting there in this group of people, along with Alan Sterling and Paul de Halle and Paul Janssen and a few other great guys. And, and I thought, well, if a narrow table's good, what happens if I made a data table with just one field? Mm-hmm. I wonder how that would work. So if you look carefully at DS Benchmark, you'll discover that there is actually a central data table. And that data table holds the records for every type of field, or every type of record, rather. So it's a it's it's a little bit difficult to see in the sense that I removed nine tenths of that framework when I public domained it when I when I made it open source. But I when I was first in the states in two thousand eleven, I met a met an interesting lawyer in Anaheim who said to me, "Why do software developers, why do database business system developers expect users to be system administrators?" And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well." When I use any bis- any lawyer's system, if I want to make a client, I have to go to a special place where I make a client. If I want to make a a job, I have to go to a special place and make a job. He said, why? If I want to search for clients, I have to go to a special place to search for clients. Why do I have to do all this rubbish? He said, why can't I just, in one place, look for everything or do everything? And I took that to heart. And four years later, when I started building this single file, single field, or single table, single field system, the idea of that, which actually works really quite well, is that you make all your records in one place, because there's only one place to make records, there's just different types of records. You search in one place, so you can search, it doesn't matter whether you're searching for time records, letters, events, addresses, um, people, clients, they're all in one place. And I then built a substructure where essentially you had subsidiary tables which were automatically populated with the different classes of records okay in order to in order to have a method of showing information in different formats right but the core thing was that any the actual information stored was all in this one table and it wasn't just one table it's in one field so we had one field one text field, and we then put created virtual fields in that text field so that each field was a value. And the last field could have as many values as you wanted in it, so it's the notes field, basically, or the lung field. And by using, if you look carefully, you can see it very easily, you can turn the virtual the field labels on or off in the interface you can edit the field labels in the language editor so you can change. This came out of the idea that if you work in any professional organization, you will find people in their data system with a field labeled, 
priority and they'll be putting i don't know the the client's child's birthday in there or something they they just the fields they want don't exist so they end up using existing fields to put other information in just to suit themselves so the logical thing from that was to say well why don't we let the client rename the fields why don't we just change the name if they want that field to be for ch- client's child's birthday why not make it that way so that's all edited in the language editor and and because the language editor does multiple languages and it's i think ds benchmark is in uh english french german chinese swedish and russian from memory um all of that can all be changed to suit the user but the actual fields themselves so thinking about contacts so title first name family name contact details all those other things they are just separate values in a single text field where you can either display them with field labels in which case you can see where the blanks are or if you if you if you click the button to remove the field labels they just end up being a block of text and it also means ultimate flexibility that you can, of course, have a record which you sort of format the way you want to because you just want to use it as plain text anyway. Hmm. So but none of that could be done without using repeating fields. Okay. I have to explore that. I've never, I've never seen that. We, you know, here at Proofgeist, before this Geist Interactive, we had ways of showing just certain records or something but i've never um i've never thought of it in terms of of repeating fields so what other i wanted to ask you this because i i saw this in a in a recent blog post that you responded to you mentioned indexing already but what other parts of filemaker that you, i think you use the word permissible what thing what parts of filemaker are notorious performance hinders if that's a word inhibitors um that that we use easily because they're permissible but could potentially cause performance problems i i think the word i may have used may have been actually permissive i think filemaker is extremely permissive it's like a like a very sort of right on set of parents of a teenager in the 60s when everything (laughs) was you know um so the thing is that when you when you start using FileMaker, there are virtually no rules. You can do anything virtually. I mean, you can't make you can't make a circular relationship. There are a few places where you can't use the same names for two different things, but but you can pretty much do anything you want, and that's delightful and exciting and very very makes it very very accessible. But of course, as we all know, anyone who's done it for a while knows that. You know that it within that freedom, there lies a great deal of potential pain in the future when you spent many months building something and then you discover that you made some fundamental errors and it, it's all rather painful. So, my starting point is that the best way of learning how to use FileMaker is to start off by developing over a wide area network. So, the file you're going to start working on should be on a server because at least that stops you making the basic errors in not understanding about global fields and global values and different sessions and all that sort of stuff. You know, if you start that way, you immediately are forced to 
to, to understand how certain things work. But I would say that the traditional thing that everybody blamed with poor performance was unstored calculations. Mm-hmm. And the, the stuff that um, I've had a lot of fun just starting over the last week or so with Cecile and, and Malcolm on, on the um, uh, FM soup site. We started, I said we wanted to do a bit of a deep dive into performance and they were incredibly helpful and nice and basically enabled that to happen very quickly and easily, which was fantastic. And we started essentially a series of about a dozen or so different headings and asked people to contribute to to the discussion, the dialogue on how to deal with each of those areas. The first one was unstored calculations because that's the favourite. And a couple of evenings ago, I sat down and wrote the sum, wrote up the notes, or wrote up a summary at the top of the blog, or the top of the wiki rather, um, taking into account all the comments that people have made below. And there were quite a few comments, and the note there is not that long. It, you know, these things can be summarised quite quickly. And I'm waiting for somebody to go in and change it because because we've set it up so that anyone can edit the wiki. So if you go and look at the note on unstored calculations there and you disagree with whatever I've put in, you just go in and change it yourself. And um, I would say that probably if you put aside unstored calculations, because most people know about that now, probably the biggest error that people make in FileMaker is creating too many relationships. Okay. Relationships... As the, old go, as the old joke goes, it can be very expensive in the long run. And uh, um, my view is that although this may not be, everyone may not dis, may not agree with this. A lot of people may disagree, but it's a good it's a good debate to have. I think FileMaker was very excited to be able to sell itself as a relational database when it became a relational database in whenever it was nineteen ninety something before my time, because I started with 4.1, as I said, and I think it became relational probably in FileMaker V3. Yep, I think so. Um, But I think, personally, it is much, much more than a relational database now. I think it's actually a data management environment. It's not not just a relational database. The problem is people start using something that's called a relational database, and they spend their whole time making relationships. If you want a fast FileMaker solution, the starting point is not to make lots of relationships because the more relationships you make, the more work you're asking FileMaker to do because unlike other types of software where you have to ask it to do something, FileMaker has this magical quality where it does it all for you before you ask it to, which is magical and wonderful. And in some community posts going back a few years now, I, I started labeling it FileMaker's holy cow. I said, when are we going to kill the holy cow and give the developer some control over when all of this amazing stuff happens? Because I don't always want it to happen. I'd like to be able to stop it happening until I want it to happen. And, I mean, there is, to some extent, you have that ability through structuring transactions, etc. But... You can't really stop the known universe being reevaluated in FileMaker if you give it half an opportunity. So, if people started thinking about FileMaker as being a data management system where you can create great things 
with some relationships or with very few relationships and doing things other ways, then I think that would be a great way to avoid jumping into the trap of building a system with lots and lots of relationships and then complaining FileMaker's slow because it's spending 95% of its processing power recalculating the known universe every time you change anything. Yeah, I I can I can see that and we've we've all had um slower, you know, when you're opening the the database for the first time, it has to do a bunch of processing to like load all of that stuff in memory. I, I can I can I can see that. In recent years have have you seen improvements in the the the, the program of FileMaker that has eliminated some of these performance issues? The FileMaker is a lot better over, well, it's a, it's a lot better in all ways because I, since I've been load testing uh, FileMaker Server with DS Benchmark, so that was starting in 2015. So we've got data from FileMaker Server 13 through to 19 now. And if you look back at the tests, the, the, the charts of, of um, load and 13 it was nothing like it is now for this is running the same hardware so filemaker certainly is i mean there's lots of ways of testing performance things but the idea of benchmark is you you are testing like with like so if you do a set of tests on a certain machine and then you do the same test on something else it gives you a way of saying well this machine is twice as fast as that machine or or 5% faster or so, whatever. So these things, if you're then running the software, different versions of FileMaker Server on on the same boxes, and I've got the same Mac Minis I use for this basic sort of stuff that I had five or six years ago, It you can see it. And it's just that the way that the clients, the, the, the mobile client and, and the desk base, the desk client, work together as server is is a ton ton more efficient than it used to be they do a lot more the machines are faster as well of course but in my testing i'm doing it on the same machine so that's not a factor but i think the big change now is add-ons because i think that with add-ons it's going to be perfectly possible to build a system not at not lots of complicated things but with just the basics so i'm i was um i i joined um a Chris Moyhe and uh, and um, Heidi Porter suggested I start coming to their Ann Arbor user groups mm-hmm. um, recently, which is fun for me because they start about midnight, so I can sit there till midnight four in the morning and use my my nighttime hours efficiently and productively. And the meeting I went to last week there, David Head from Australia was did a presentation on on add-ons and explained actually how you make add-ons and what the what the sort of ins and outs of it were and what that made me realize is that some of the basic stuff i use in all the systems i build thing important things like a version history you know like a event log um like a single record table that gives you a connection between different user sessions all those sort of basic mechanical bits that any decent system is going to have in them um I thought, well, actually, I could very easily carve those out as add-ons. And when I want to build a new system, I can just put in the add-ons. And then I thought, well, if I do that, I might as well give them to other people to use as well. So I think probably 
that the biggest advance in filemaker performance for the people who aren't very expert is going to be by building their own system from a series of simple building blocks that people basically give them or sell them at a very modest price as as add-ons. And if FileMaker do a good job, if they are able to produce some well-designed add-ons, that would be good. But one of the challenges for FileMaker, I think, has been that the stuff that they produce out of the box in the past, I'm not sure... I'm not sure about the most recent things, but my general impression in the past is that the FileMaker sort of standard packages that come with it, they're they're not really very nice, really. You know, one doesn't want to be critical, but as a thing that people are going to start with, it'd be quite good if they were really tight, sensible, neat things that you could build with. But of course, the way they're done, they're often not terribly extensible. So you know, um, it seems like one of your thoughts is you're keeping the file down to its bare minimum, whether it's one field in many records with many re- repetitions or it's fewer table occurrences and relationships on the graph. I've been neck deep in, in JavaScript add-ons now that actually have no data structure ne- needs or field needs. They definitely need data from fields, from records. But that could actually be a potential source of performance improvement too. Instead of creating a list, even a list view of of a a repeating field, one could create a data table in a JavaScript thing, in a JavaScript Mm -hmm. add-on. One of the big advantages of using JavaScript is once the data is all, all loaded in there, it'll it'll perform forever and ever. And there's no hit to the database. There's no going back up to the server anymore and looking for more data or something. So Mm. with add-ons, with the opening up of JavaScript in our, in our platform, there's a lot of potential there to build, as you say, build more performant um, add-ons that, that show data faster. Yeah, and I think another thing is, of course, that any way you can access data which is context-free, that's another interesting thing, isn't it? So obviously, global variables are context-free, and indeed all variables are context-free. Custom functions are context-free. What else is context-free? Let's think. What are the other things we can use that are context-free? Well, the XQData API script step is is context-free even though it opens up a new window, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so in fact, most most of the extensibility of FileMaker is tending to be context-free. I mean, I'm focusing very much on what I call the vanilla stuff, which is mm-hmm. not seeking, although I you know, do this stuff in in all the web stuff and so on and, and, and in other areas and curl and things, but I, I regard that as being fairly basic. So I, I'm not a great expert on what you can do through the various APIs, but if you can use something context-free, there's a pro and a con, isn't there? If it's context-free, you're not, there's no relationship and you can't do those relational things. But I've already said in my view that, you don't want to do more relational stuff than you can really avoid. Sometimes it's a good way. It can be great, but it, you want to be very careful. 
anything that you can do context-free, you then have the issue that if it's a modest amount of data, it's great. If it's a very large amount of data, you could be looking at some possible challenges. So I've just I've just built a very simple little um, uh, analyzer app, which um, I've, I wrote about last night on on the on the Soup website, and because I've had these five different identical very nearly identical files with the same data sets in them of, of images there for the last week or so for people to test. I'm gathering data from the testing in order to compare the way in which different container field settings work because container fields, as you know, have got three different levels of settings. You've got file settings, field level settings, and script settings. And all three of those, the different settings in each of those places give you a lot of different permutations of how you can set up a container field. Mm-hmm. One particular permutation will, in fact, make your file expand in size by about ten times by just using that one setting. And, but that's obviously that's a bug. The main thing is to try and work out which of these sets of arrangements works best. But to look at the data, I made a file last night which has got two tables and two fields, and that's all it's got because it's got a field in the UI table, which is merely a field to give us a drop-down list to select what the platform is, whether it's Mac, PC, or iOS, or whatever. And the data file has just got one field, which is just data, because all we're doing is taking chunks of data from the event logs from these five different solutions, importing them all into this single table with a single field, each of those fields has then got 32 different um, values in it. And we're then querying the values by walking that table with a script to pick out the values that actually match the query. So it's this idea of, of walking the table, which you can do with execute SQL, I call it FileMaker, FQL rather is a better thing, or you can do it with a script, or you can probably do it with some other method using JavaScripting or something, I guess. But it's about basically saying, here's the data. I'm going to walk up and down. I'm going to create some method of walking that table to pull out the data I want to use and, and do something with it. Do you build exceptionally fast apps or do you build apps that perform well? Exceptionally is a um, is a is a subjective term, and uh, I'm happy if I just build stuff that it, that performs well. <laughs> um, when I put up these, um, no, it wasn't the five different ones. the 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 image management app that I've spent quite a lot of time on on the last over the last um, of the Christmas period, really. I wanted to find a simple method of getting all the images from all of my photography into one place where I could always find the rec- find the photographs I want because I've got really fed up with wanting to open um, a library of stuff from mm-hmm. the past and then getting this thing that says, oh, 
updating your library. And then you wait there for a while. And then it says, sorry, this library can't be updated. Please download the new something or other from Apple and do this. And, you know, two hours later, you still can't see your photographs. So I got a bit fed up with this. And I've got a lot of photography because I've done a lot of photography in the last 20 years. So the thing that DS Images is, is using um, R-Sync. So DS Images gives you the command line to paste into rsync to basically extract all of the images from wherever you have all of your stuff and we then import use filemaker's ability to do multi-level multi-folder level importing to get all the images into into ds images we then export them out again into day month year folders which enables us to deduplicate them and having exported them out we then re-import them in a nice tidied up form and we end up with all of this stuff so you can look at it on your phone from wherever you are so when i asked um i asked chris moyer and fabrice nordman to have a look at it because we've got it on fabrice's servers at uh, fmcloud.fm um They've got servers in France. Uh, they've got three servers in North America, in, um, I think, uh, Montreal and the East Coast and the West Coast. And um, they have a good service, and it's all on Linux, and it's all using um, uh, using Docker, which I wrote about recently on Medium and so on. So it's all good stuff. And I asked Chris, because he's a really nice, clever guy as well, to look at it. And they both said they'd never seen anything. They'd never seen FileMaker handling images so fast. And so they're looking at these things on a phone or a computer, one from Michigan to France, one from Belgium to France, which is obviously closer. And you can just have it in your phone, you just flick it up and down, it flies up and down really fast. But the reason it's fast is because I'm not using relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the images table is literally a single table occurrence and everything is done with scripts because scripts cost you nothing until you run them, do they? And we're also optimizing all the images when we import them. So when we import one image, we're actually making um, three more versions so that we only then seek to display the version we want to look at on the screen at any one time. So if you've got thumbnails, you only use a thumbnail. If you want a medium-sized one, you use a medium-sized one. And the key thing about FileMaker is that whereas when you load a record in FileMaker, technically all the fields in that record get brought to the client, Mm -hmm. except for container fields. Container fields only get loaded in FileMaker when you can see the container field. I think that's correct. In fact, I I was unsure and I tested it. And and, and the the way I've observed it seems to be the case. So basically, if you have a container field and your layout with a 99 pixel square image in it there's not a lot of load even if the same record has got another 301 another 601 another 901 and a 10 megabyte one it doesn't matter filemaker doesn't actually because you know because they obviously thought about this really hard when all the container stuff was built about what seven or eight years ago i guess they thought about it hard they they don't want to create a whole little load so you've got that exception where the norm is that if you have a record with a hundred fields in it, and you show one field on your screen, the other fields 
are going to come over the WAN from the server, and hence that's going to cause you some potential slowness. Whereas with the container, it's only streamed from the server when you actually get to look at it. So in order to analyze the data from that, we produce this very simple thing. I don't know whether it's good or bad, but I just thought, let's see if I can do something with only one field with no relationships and just do it a different way. And what I discovered is with a modest amount of data locally, it works brilliantly fast. And then you put it on the server, you get into a problem because the data's on the server and all of this stuff is in global variables. That means every time you build your array of global variables, it's got to be moved from the server to the user, which if you've put in a million records to test it with, is quite a lot. Yeah. So the so what I what I think will probably come out of this is that although with a small local thing putting everything in a global array is a really nice way of doing it and it's very fast locally if you're on the server logically it's probably going to be far faster to process the whole thing server side using globals created in the server session and then pushing the results of those so that all I get in the UI is the results. Do you see what I mean? You you build apps that perform well because of your testing, because of your experience, because of your understanding of where FileMaker is. You're you're using FileMaker at its basic core, you know, principles. You're use you're you're using the basics of FileMaker to make a good performing app. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, I'm, and I know that from the uh, conversations I have with the, with the guys at, at Claris, I know that they like what I do because I'm not I'm not. It's not rocket science. All I'm doing is saying, let's look at the tools in the box and let's try and understand what they're good at, what they're bad at, and let's try and you know, if I was building a boat and I wanted to make a piece of beautiful, smooth mahogany, I wouldn't use a surform to do it with. I'd use a very sharp plane, you know? And if it wanted to be a big piece, I'd use a big plane. If I wanted to make a curved thing, I might use a spokeshave. I, I wouldn't, you know, you know what a surform is? Those sort of things like a great big file used for shaping foam for surfboards. And okay, things. yeah. Right. You know, so it's a question of looking at the tools yeah. and understand, or at least trying to think about it first. Yeah. And every day I do this sort of stuff. Every day I, I start doing something and I think about it and I I think about it a bit more. And then I think, oh, actually, you know, I'm thinking about it the wrong way. I should think about it differently. And it's when you think about it the right way that that's when you sort of start, I think, you know, getting something that works really well. So you work with, you say you work with uh, people to make their systems better you coach what what do you um what are the common things you talk about with them other than maybe the the lack of relationships or reducing relationships and uh repeating fields is there anything else that you that commonly arises in your discussions well i'm thinking of a, a guy that i'm i'm helping at the moment um he's got a system that he's built over the last 25 years um, he's got uh, between 60 and 70 different files in it. So from that, you can tell that it was uh, created in, in the pre-FileMaker 7 era. And it's far too complex for it to be realistic, for it to be rewritten in, in, a, in a more modern form. So 
he's been busily developing it, making it better, adding things into it. And he's got a lot of expertise. He doesn't know some things and he's doing some things in his system which he could do in a much simpler way if he had the right information. So what I'm doing is asking him what he wants to achieve and talking about it with him and challenging him in his thinking and giving him some ideas and some leads on how to look at things slightly differently. Because my view is that the best person to improve a complex, well-established system is the person who wrote it. To, to try and get to grips with it as an outside developer is very time-consuming. And it's hard to really understand how a system is intended to work unless you designed it in the first place. So the... Um, the, the 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 thing the thing with helping people out in this sort of stuff is to is to just try and identify what is the lowest hanging fruit what are the things that they can do most easily to give them most um improvement in in, in whatever it is they're looking for so as i said that the, the chap with with between 60 and 70 files he had two requirements one is he wanted to internally document the system and make it simpler so that other people could understand it because he's going to retire one day and he thought you know after 25 years development he needs to do that sort of stuff um, and he wanted to do it in a modern efficient way and secondly he wanted to handle images more efficiently because the type of business he's in he's in 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 pre-press so he's handling large, large, large files and multiple resolutions of those large files, getting people to sign off on, on projects and things. And he's also working in multiple languages. So I think one of the reasons he talked to me was that he knew that I did multiple language stuff. We've done that for many years because, you know, it's a simple thing to do if you do it the right way. And we think that multiple languages is a good thing. You know, accessibility is good. Making things open to people who speak other languages than English is a really cool idea and also looking at images he wasn't aware that you could handle images the way that we're doing them um he's using plugins to handle images and really unnecessary um from what i can see anyway so the things i've talked about him with are about discussing with him what he's trying to do what the pain points are what his what his priorities are and then zooming in a bit and looking at these things a bit tighter and to be honest i don't need to look in great detail at these things you know we've seen so many of these things in the past people always want to show you their stuff but it doesn't actually help any the thing is to actually ask the right questions so how many files you got 65 okay so let's look at the particular file how many fields you got 500 fields okay how many that are indexed I don't know. I'm not. I'm. This isn't the actual conversation, but this is sort of how it could go. So you could say, well, look, as a starting point with this particular thing, you've got 500 fields there. How's it perform? Not very well. Well, that <laughs> goes without saying, doesn't it? So you could then say, well, if this is an area that's causing you pain, if particularly if it's causing pain with clients, so if clients perhaps have got an external access, they need to get in there to. Um, uh, to sign off on a project, for example, and 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 he's got them going into FileMaker. Well, maybe that's you know there are other ways of doing it. You maybe you could 
use FileMaker to generate the web pages and have them come in through web pages and then just have a little bit of JavaScripting in there to just push a message back to uh, FileMaker saying, yeah, this is this is okay, I agree, or whatever it was. So it, it's, it's, about, it's about using your experience to think of options, not telling people how to do it, not doing it the way that I always do it. It's, it's about having that dialogue where you... Because, see, everyone I talk to will always know more about certain aspects of their system than I do because they built it. They've thought about it for years sometimes, you know. And you, the, the, people have got a lot of expertise, a lot of cleverness, but sometimes they've got a whole ton of cleverness in there that with a modern version of Farmac you really don't need to use. And all you're doing is slowing the system down by all your cleverness. Oh. So trying to look at stripping some stuff out that's not necessary you know things things like if you did have if you had a 500 field single you know file one of many files in a system you know a starting point might just be to say well what do you actually need to search on on this file can we just decide which fields you search on then can we just turn off the indexing and everything else and tell me next week if it's any better and you know work from there so you you have a lot of good conversation with people about this stuff, and it's it you're you're prompting me at least to think think about this stuff. I've I've never considered, never known to use a, a repeating field like that. So I'll, I'll uh, give it some play. But it seems like you have spent a lot of time playing with this and testing it. And like you mentioned, I think you said you had you have data from Clearback and FileMaker Server thirteen. And working with FileMaker, FileMaker thirteen is that right? Is that the number that you started with? Yeah, with, with I started with FileMaker thirteen with DS Benchmark. Okay, correct. That was in two thousand fifteen. Yeah. So you have a lot of historical data to show that the performance has increased. These these same methods have increased um, have increased performance tremendously, even by the hardware and by the by the hardware you're using and by the the actual FileMaker app itself. So the FileMaker software compared to where it was 5 6 years ago has come on a long long way. Yeah. It it's the, the the problem I think is sometimes that people's systems gain complexity and records maybe at the same rate as FileMaker improves things. So you have people saying, <laughs> "Oh, it's terrible. Why aren't FileMaker making my stuff work faster?" Well, the, the simple answer is, if they took responsibility for learning a little bit about how to make their own stuff work faster, then that would, you know, be a good thing. The the, the dialogue we had last week on 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 FM Soup, I mean, the thing I came back to was this thing about the laws of physics. You know, electricity only travels at a certain speed. You can only a certain machine has got a certain capacity. You can't change it. I mean, if you overclock the CPU so it runs at a faster clock rate, you make it a bit faster. But basically, it's got a capacity. So if you ask it to do a lot more or even a bit more, it'll be a bit slower. You know, it's as simple as that. You don't get something for nothing. Um, They are only machines. And, um, you know, what these machines do is is truly fantastic. You you know, if you think – you said you started a FileMaker about – 15 years ago, something like that. I mean, probably nine, wherever that was. Yeah. Could, yeah. So 2008. Yep. 2008. Okay. So, I mean, if you go back and look at some of the stuff you wrote then, 
and compare it to what you've got now and what you can do now, it is staggering. Um, and and the thing the the thing for the people who have been using Farmac for many years who want something to be a bit different, the good news for them is that right now, because FileMaker has adopted Agile and it's binned the three-year plan with Waterfall, if you've got something that really concerns you, if you reach out to FileMaker, to Claris, to the, go to the right product manager for whatever area you're concerned with and say, hey, here is my problem. Take the time to define my pro- your problem. Make it sure your problem is reproducible in a sample file. Produce a movie to show actually in action. Say, look, please will you fix it? Now, in the old days, if it didn't make it into a three-year plan, you were out of luck. But now they're actually doing stuff. You might put something into them. You might find you get a solution within within one or two months because they're they're looking to, you know, capture, pick the lowest hanging fruit. And they, they Brad, um, Brad has, has revolutionized the way they work change the people, change the management structure, change the way everything's done, which is obviously a big challenge, but it does mean now they can respond quickly to what needs doing, and it doesn't have to be part of a master plan. And so that's, I think that's good news for everyone. So Nick, we've been, we've been talking a lot about performance and you have brought up some great ideas about how to do performance. Um, and 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 you know one of the ways you you talked about is repeating fields and using those. And as I'm reading about it and learning about it, um, I see yeah that was a very quick way to do stuff. Um, but as you mentioned, I think previously it was it was sort of in the pre-relational times of FileMaker, and it was before all of the improvements have been made. Is it? Is 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 that still a viable method to use, or is some of the newer stuff um, just as you know useful, and in some cases even more useful to use? I think that new stuff is always very interesting. I think, though, that it's quite easy when you get a whole stream of new stuff coming along each year, because I mean, every software company in the world is got the marketing people saying yes we need to have new features in order to you know sell the product and so on but but what's really important i think for a, a professional a developer a designer is developing those powers of discernment to work out really what's going to be the most appropriate um tools or methods to, to use in any given situation what's going to give the user the best possible user experience because although we all start working for a client and obviously the client's paying the bill for the client's system to work as well as possible it has to be a system that the users find works for them if if it doesn't work for users users will always find a way of circumventing the system there's an old adage somewhere that in in many large organizations people spend more than half their time trying to get around the system as opposed to actually doing anything useful you know yep. So so my feeling is that clearly it's really important to know about new stuff. But the fact it's new doesn't necessarily mean it's the perfect thing to use in any given situation. And, of course, as you get a stream of new stuff appearing and taking up people's time and you know taking up the sort of um, 
the the conferences they go to, the technical discussions they have, the articles they read, and all the rest of it. It's possible sometimes for these new, interesting, cool things, perhaps in people's minds, to slightly displace some of the older stuff that actually is really, really relevant. So a lot of what I do focuses on trying to find ways of using um, smaller data sets, not to say fewer data instances, data records, but what's the most compact way of moving data from one place to another? So if you move your data from one place to another in a FileMaker file, that's going to take X amount of um, size of, of, of file and transmission time and effort and all the rest of it. If you put the same data or essentially the same data into a text file, it's many, many times smaller and it's many, many times faster. So very often doing a technique that involves using text files or encrypted text files to move stuff around can actually be um, a much more effective way because it's very fast, because the files are very small. So although it may involve using a technique that has been in FileMaker for for many, many years, um, it, it isn't necessarily a bad thing to do that it's been there for years. It can be very effective, particularly with modern machines where you know, the CPU speed and the, the bandwidth available, the bus width and all the other things that make stuff fast are so much better. So if you go and look at some um, big data set and you then decide, you have to have a think maybe about how are you going to export and import that big data set. Um, one of the techniques that, that some developers use is instead of exporting the data um, in a normal data set, one technique is to is to use a single FileMaker record with up to the maximum number of 32,000 repeating fields or repeats of a field. So you've got a, a record with a single field. And one technique is to then take the data that you want to export and basically push it into that, into the fields of that single repeating field export that single record which has got all the data in it move it across and put it into the the other thing of course you've got the pros and the cons of preparing it in the first place and then unpacking it later on but it is something that actually works really quite well and it's a technique although i've used repeating fields a lot over the last um five or six years it that technique is one i only heard about a few days ago because somebody i was talking to mentioned the repeating field export technique and i sort of put a a question up on the stuff I was writing on FM Soup and said, look, um, someone mentioned this. Anyone know what it is? And I think um, Josh Orland came back and said, oh, this is what you do with it. So there are out there, there are lots of really, really great techniques. And the fact that they're old techniques doesn't necessarily mean they're not actually very effective. There are, you know, new stuff may be better, of course, but, you know, it pays to have a good idea, a good understanding of, of a real understanding of what it is you're trying to do, what all the circumstances are, in order to try and work out what the best tool is. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see that. And, you know, like I said, I've come in at FileMaker 9. I missed that, like, that wave of, of data storage using uh repeating fields because we were deep into relationships at that point and showing <clears throat> showing everything in portals and all this stuff so and I, I didn't see that and it makes me wonder if um 
people people are learning when they come in come to FileMaker and they learn it. They're learning about the security. They're looking le- learning about the relational aspect of it. But some of those things, like you're like you're mentioning here, are completely skipped over. I don't the the training series. Nothing that I've ever read has given me insight into this repeating field idea as a as the fastest way to render data to show data to someone. So. Well, it, it comes with a health warning that, as um, as we touched on earlier in this in this conversation, Jeremy, that that it is the case that when you select a record, when you essentially display a record in FileMaker, then the basic action of FileMaker Server is to move all of the data that is in that record from the server to the client machine, with the exception, as we t- discussed before, of the content of container fields, only the parts of only the contents of container fields that you can actually see in the display are actually um, shipped up over the network to the client. But, and hence, you know, if you did have a ton of stuff in repeat in repeating fields and things that could create a load. But the key thing that I'm doing, as we discussed before is, is I'm using these repeats as placeholders to put small bits of information, which would otherwise require either a very large number of ordinary fields okay. or some complex way of parsing certain bits out of, you know, sort of basically uh, pair value um, or value pairs um, put, put put into field. You know, you could do this stuff by having a text field and then having several hundred or a couple of thousand value pairs in it and then parsing out the right values out of that. That would be another way of doing the same thing. But in the way that I've done it, you know, I know it works. I know it's very fast for what I want, but it's a good idea, really, with all of these things. If you're playing with something new and it's something that you are thinking about putting into a real system, it's a really, really good idea to build a small, very simple test file where you can actually check for yourself the performance that you're going to get of that particular technique in the circumstances in which you want to use it. It comes back to that thing about measuring, you know, observe and measure, observe and measure, observe and measure. Don't just, you know, don't just accept what the great and the good tell you. They may well be right, but the circumstances about which they or to which they're referring may not be exactly what you're the circumstances in which you're using the thing. So doing your own testing first and making a design decision based on your own direct knowledge of how it's going to work in the circumstance is a really, really good technique. Okay. You you bring up an interesting point that, you know, we should always be developing and testing, developing and testing for for performance. We we don't want the FileMaker application, the 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 problems that we're solving to suddenly slow down as we, you know, do X or Y or Z. I don't think it's, it's definitely not on the forefront when I'm, when I'm developing, cause you're in the midst of development, right? You just want to get it done. You want to, you want to solve the problem, but you've got to keep performance um, at the top of your, at the top of your thoughts, at least always come back and test it and make sure it's, it's still performing top notch. Well, if you go back to 2000 or thereabouts, when you had the um, that whole thing with the uh, dot-com bubble and um, the, the the 2KY um, business, you know, where people were afraid that all of the systems in the world were going to fall over, etc. At that time, 
um, there were some really, really clever things that people had designed, uh, new forms of online business sites where they worked great in demo mode. They worked great uh-huh. on a local area network, but when they actually deployed them into the real world, the businesses that invested heavily in these things, a number of quite significant companies went bust because in the real world, the stuff was just too slow because the networks weren't fast enough, the devices weren't fast enough. And the problem is they'd failed to actually test the stuff they were doing or indeed design it for the real world circumstances. The designers doing it had obviously had the, I'm sure, the best equipment, the best networks, all the great stuff you can use if you've got the right funding or even if you're just quite smart. But that isn't the real world for a lot of people. So, you know, we've been doing stuff looking at sustainable um, web options in 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 countries with um, without the great infrastructure that we enjoy in the UK and you have in the US. Um, we were doing some work in Botswana where when you look at the schools there, you discover that the internet connection that most of those schools have got is going to be 2 or maybe 3G on a mobile phone, and that's it. So if you want to provide educational packages for the teachers in those schools to use as a method of giving their kids up-to-date um tuition you know giving them the right sources where they get they get shipped books that are completely the wrong books for what they need you know the online stuff is going to work much better for them you have to design stuff that's going to work over 2g and that's a challenge most people will find 2g quite quite a difficult challenge to to because you have to keep things super simple and super super slim so yeah it's all about understanding really and understanding in the widest sense of the word try and understand really what it is you need to do and then start making those decisions let me ask one more question about the repeating field idea this this came to my mind as we were talking let's just take a common scenario where you've got a contact and all of her email addresses and phone numbers in a in a in a repeating field method are you storing the the person's name in a couple repetitions and then are you storing five email addresses in repetitions 40 through 44, something like that? Well, I'm not normally using repeating fields for that type of application. The, the, oh, the, okay. area, the, the area where I'm normally using repeating fields is where I need a lot, a lot of different bits of information stored. So, for example, in a settings table... What I used to do was end up with lots of fields in settings table. These days in settings table, I have, you know, the the, the, the fields you might expect for a table that you're going to sort of be to do with um, uh, date of creation, date of modification, and access rights and things like that. But the actual data for my settings, the entire system, nowadays goes into a single field with multiple repeats. So okay. I might start off with, you know, I, I put in 20 repeats and I have these things and I make a note in the comments, uh, the, you know, the comments field or comment sort of area for in, in a FileMaker defined database. I sort of say, you know, one to 20 is this or whatever. And later on, I need some more settings and I just increase the repeats for that field from 20 to 40. And I make a note about what the next 20 settings are going to be. The point being that I can keep on doing that until I reach a total of 32,000. And I've never got 
frankly, beyond about 5,000. So I'm pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to start adding thousands and thousands and thousands of fields to my settings table, my settings table would become really hard to handle. Now, I get that. Okay. Yeah, it's it's those. I mean, look, you could. I haven't tried it, so this is a good thing. Someone else do this. You know, <laughs> try doing a contact record where all the data in the record is in a single field with multiple repeats, and manage your process of how you sort of keep track of which repeat is which nicely. And it may be brilliant. I I honestly. I don't know because I haven't done it, but I, I do know if I need to store a large number of of discrete bits of information, the easiest way in FileMaker is in repeating fields, whereas in some other systems I might end up deciding to put them all in, in a JSON array or something like that. Ah. Good. Okay. All right. Good. Well, that that clarifies it. I'm I'm still gonna explore this a little bit more and and see what's what's going on. I I appreciate you telling us, you know, talking to us about this and, and reminding us that it's 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 not always the newest stuff. It's what what solves the problem for the client, right? It's you get problem A, you have it written out very clearly, and whatever technique it takes to solve that problem is is the best one. Um, and sometimes it's the 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 old stuff that I may not be very aware of, and people who are starting now in FileMaker 19 are are also missing out. So. Maybe a DevCon session, a Claris Engage session needs to take a look at those old school methods and, and see which are still relevant today, right? I think that yeah, that'd be a that'd be a very nice idea. Um, yeah. we it would be fu- it would be fun actually to get together a small group of people who'd have to have, I suppose, a minimum age of about sixty or something like that and just <laughs> go around go around the group and see what people come up with. Um to be honest, the the, the first person I'd go to theirs. I try and get Bruce Robertson out of retirement because he would be just a brilliant guy to get in this sort of stuff. He is so clever and so knowledgeable, but you know, he's, I don't know how old he is now. He, he must be, he's getting quite elderly and uh, I don't know if he's very active now, but he's a very, very knowledgeable man. And if there was any cool, I say cool in the sense of cool as in useful stuff, you could, you could get out of some of those old techniques, he'd be one of the first people to have a pretty good idea. Kevin Frank as well, he's got some brilliant stuff that he does. And, you know, these guys have been around for a while. Um, They've got wisdom, you know, wisdom that may be applicable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So very cool. Nick, I appreciate your time. This is really good to talk with you about this. And I'm going to explore this repeating field idea a little bit more. It actually um, sounds a lot like if, you know, storing this, you know, you mentioned a while back ago some JSON. It sounds like what I've kind of been thinking about is, can I just reduce my entire database to one field, one table in one field, and store everything in JSON, and you know, use the structure of JSON to represent the relational aspect of it? But you know, at that point, I mean, why even use FileMaker file if I'm if I'm going to go that route? <laughs> but it's. Uh, it's a, it's 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 good to think about this stuff and, and the performance and and all that. So I'm glad you were able to share with us your thoughts. Well, I, I guess I guess the thing is there that um, one of the reasons why maybe doing that type of stuff in FileMaker could be relevant is that in FileMaker you get the ability to create your database schema and your user interface and your scripting all in one single thing. You don't have a database for which you have to then create a completely separate 
method of creating a UI. So, you know, I, I think I've said before that FileMaker was originally being marketed way back when it became a relational database as a relational database. I, I would argue, a slightly as devil's advocate, but I would argue nowadays it shouldn't be sold as a relational database. It should be sold as a data management system. Mm-hmm. And if you could create a one-field contact management system with with no relationships and all your data in a JSON array where you're able to pop out all the right stuff whenever you want it and say, look, I can put this on a server. It's super fast. It's super simple. The, the stuff I've written, maybe you've run, done some quite clever stuff there, but in terms of the user, it's just that thing there. Just work like a like a kernel of, of really nice stuff. That would be great fun, and that's entirely valid. You don't have to use loads of relationships to get the best out of FileMaker, I don't think. Yep. Yep. Very cool. Nick, um, where can people find you? Where can they say hi to you and ask you more of these and, and, and read, read what you're writing about uh, this performance? Um, well, in, in physical terms, I'm based in Cambridge in the UK. Um, you can always get hold of me through deskspace.com. Uh, I've had that URL since late 1999, so it's uh, it's quite easy to find me at nick.lightbody.deskspace.com. If you look my name up, I come up in a number of different places. Um, you can find me, obviously, through the uh, Claris community, because I'm active, obviously, on, on that in various forums. Um, you can find me on the fmsoup.org, which is a really nice forum, a newer forum uh, based, I think, in Canada that uh, I've been um, doing some performance stuff on recently, which which is a, a, another nice place for FileMaker folk to talk about good ideas and things. Um, so, yeah, th- those are ways to find me. But you can also find me on Twitter. So at Nick Lightbody is on Twitter. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, fortunately, there aren't very many Nick Lightbodies in the world, so it's probably easier to find me than uh, if, <laughs> if my name was a slightly more popular one. Um, so and I'm always happy to talk. And as I said before, these days my focus is on is on research and writing, mentoring and coaching. So if if you somebody wants me to talk with them about how I can help them um, improve their game a bit, then I'm very happy to do that as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you for your time, Nick. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you later, all right? That's cool. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for having me on. It's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Great. Bye. And that ends another episode of the Context Podcast. Thanks to Nick for sharing his experience. He has a lot of great advice on how to keep things performing well, and he has brought up some very interesting ideas to explore. I know I will explore this idea of using repeating fields to show data. Performance has come a long way, and it's good to have Nick keeping his eye on it. If you're so inclined, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's really helpful and encouraging to see what people have to say. And if you have ideas that you'd like us to talk about with you or with someone else, please email us at thecontextpodcast@proofguys.com and let us know what you would like us to talk about. We're always looking for good ideas, so please lend us what you think we should talk about. We'll see you next time.